in verse number 22, what if God willing to show, to show his wrath? You know, we talked about, uh, we're probably going to go back here a little bit this morning, but publicly, publicly, God has ways of showing that he is right. And if we try to attempt things like that, a lot of times it doesn't go so well. Now, we know God is always right. All his ways, he knows he's righteous in all his ways. We know that. So for him to declare and show his power and his wrath publicly, it would go as right as it can go. But you have probably been like me in situations on your life where, look, you've been right about something. And you're trying to make the thing right publicly. But it goes south. It turns into an argument. You thought it was going to go well, and then it blew up. And then all of a sudden, the way you thought it was going to go, it really publicly wasn't a show of any righteousness. And your wrath and anger turned into sin. And it's not the same with God. There's a separation here we've got to get, which is this. God, in all his ways, is righteous, even if we don't understand it or can't see it. We are, we, are, we are wrong if we question God's righteousness. That's the point I'm trying to make. And when you look at verse 17, since I mentioned Pharaoh, let's go back there. We, kind of, we already preached on him, but I want to just draw out a truth from verse 17. It says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power. This is a public showing. In thee. And that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. You know, part of God dealing with Pharaoh was to show the earth, the people on the earth, publicly. That sin will be judged. We're living in a day where it's almost like people have no comprehension at all of what a consequence for sin you know if your child hears no that's not the end of the world and it's like we have grown adults that can't hear no it like triggers them and there's no consequences for wrongdoing and God raised up Pharaoh and he's showing publicly through that whole situation we already preached about in Pharaoh when we were there that look Publicly, I'm going to judge you. I am going to judge unrighteousness. And it's going to be a show for all the earth. And I'm telling you, one day he's going to come back and do that. This is a declaration, Romans 9, of the supremacy of our almighty, majestic God. In contrast to the feeble weakness of man. You see that in Romans 9.22? It's right at the beginning. What if? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? I'll tell you this morning, every single person born is born a vessel of wrath. We are children of disobedience. 
We are conceived in sin. We're all a vessel of wrath. We don't have to stay a vessel of wrath, though. He that believeth not is condemned already. Okay? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the gospel that we that we preach. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But what abides on him? But the wrath of God abideth on him. Is As a believer, isn't that the gospel that we preach? They're coming to us as a vessel of wrath. They don't have to stay a vessel of wrath, though. That's why we bring them the good news. But what if God wasn't willing? We'd all die in our sins and end up in a devil's hand. This doesn't have to do with predeterminism before the foundation of the world concerning man, whether he is predetermined to hell or predetermined to heaven, where he's predetermined to be a vessel of wrath or he's predetermined to be a vessel of mercy. No, God predetermined that he would come and die for mankind and that he would offer a way of escape. And you can be made into another vessel. You don't have to stay what you are. You see, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Do you know the purpose of God's long suffering is so that he wouldn't have to show his wrath? That's the purpose of that. He gives people a chance to repent. Pharaoh ended up dead, drowned in a sea, because he wouldn't repent. He wouldn't change. And God endured with much long suffering. And look, there's going to come a day where that is going to stop the same way it came for Pharaoh. There came a day when the long suffering stopped. And God's foreknowledge has determined this. Before the foundation of the world, if there's anything that's been determined, God has determined this. That he will wait before he drops his wrath on it. And he will wait with much long suffering. And dear saint, dear saint this morning, please, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a friend, if you have, if, if you have a position of leadership in a company, take God's character and apply it in your life. Don't be quick to throw down the hammer of that. Show much long suffering. That's what God did. He wasn't looking for a reason to drop his wrath. He was looking for a reason to be long-suffering. And he was looking for he was looking to provide ways of escape. Just because you're right, that doesn't mean you have to drop down the hammer on someone. Is God completely right? 
Did he drop the hammer right down on you and wipe him? Think about it. If you're dealing with an enemy, if you're dealing with a difficult situation with the boss, if you're dealing with a trial in your life, it's easy to just, to just say, Rah! <laughs> instead of much long suffering. That's the character of our God. I understand, we all do, that he hates sin, he's going to judge sin, and he's righteous when he does. But if we keep parking just on that, I'm telling you, we're going to have an unbalanced view of God. He's a long-suffering God, and he will wait to show his wrath. Go to Romans 2. I'd like to confirm that through this verse, Romans 2, verse number 5. We won't stay here long. We've already preached on it. But verse number 5 of Romans 2 says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, it's not before the foundation of the world. It's after thy hardness and impenitent heart. Treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It's after something. It's after people make decisions and go against God's will. It's after all that. It's not before Genesis 1-1 and it's predetermined and you can't do anything. You treasure it. You lay up treasures unto yourself, right? That's not what God wants for you. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to repent. And that's not a cry of universal salvation. That's a cry from the heart of God that he is much long-suffering. And he desires all, all of his creation to repent and turn to him. Not only is it not before the foundation of the world, but it's also not against someone's will. An individual must refuse the long-suffering of God, as we see in Romans 2. We talked about this a little bit in the Lord's Supper. As Americans, we do view Christianity through American eyes. I do this, and I am constantly trying to put myself in check to not do that. Because we don't have an American church. We go to church in America. We don't have an American Bible. We read God's word in America. Okay, But we have become so accustomed to getting our way as Americans that as soon as we don't get our way, we think somehow we've been dealt with unrighteously. Do you know that you can get, it's, it's, the, it's the buckle of the Bible that we live in. You can get the word of God anywhere. You probably can go to half a dozen stores within a five-mile radius and pick up a copy of the Word of God. I bet you Walmart's got a King James Bible. We have it on our phone. There's apps where you can just have on your phone. You've got the whole Bible right there in an app. 
Some of you youngins are privileged. You get to grow up in church, and you don't even have a choice. If it's Sunday morning, you're going to be at church. Now, that's a blessing. There's no guarantee that it will take root. All the Bibles, all the apps, all the Christian upbringing, that little child, that vessel is going to grow up. And when they come to an age where they are accountable to right and wrong and they understand this, look, there's no guarantee it will take root. This is why we say, look, don't claim my daddy's a preacher. Don't claim my mama brought me up in church. Don't claim I belong to this denomination. Don't claim I never miss Sunday. Don't claim, hey, I've been water baptized. Don't claim anything to merit righteousness before God. Cling to the cross with empty hands, bringing nothing. <clears throat> There's no guarantee that just because you're saved, your best friend's going to be saved. And God's going to put opportunities in each and every one of our laps. And every time God puts an opportunity in your lap, Satan's going to have an idolatrous trinket that he wants you to choose over what God asks you to choose. It's going to happen every time. And if you don't think I'm telling you the truth, Pray about getting more serious for God. And as soon as you start getting more serious for God. Just put your batter's helmet on. <laughs> put, put all the catchers, you know, baseball equipment. For, because it's coming. It's coming. Satan is going to try to stop it. And there's a lot of, getting back to Romans 9, there's a lot of covert Job's in this world. Job argues with God. Job questions God. What did Job do? Why is Job going through all this? Now look, it's okay to plead to God and ask God for some answers to your questions. But it's almost like sometimes we bring that to God as if we don't want to look to where the answers are already in the word of God. We don't really want to go to the word of God. We just want to gripe and complain to God. And look, we can bring our tough questions. But our attitude. Well, God, I'm not wicked. Why am I getting persecuted? Remember what they did to Jesus? Job jumped to a false conclusion. He thought God was out to get him. And I'm telling you, wrong assumptions always lead to wrong conclusions. And God gets a, God gives Job a lesson in humility. Let's turn back to Job 42. It's the last chapter of the book of Job, right before the book of Psalms. And God gives him a lesson in humility. He spends chapters 38. 39, 40, and 41, he spends four chapters, God, and it's loaded what with, where was thou? Canst thou? Wilt thou? Hast thou? Shall they? Who is able to stand before me? Who hath prevented me? The whole heaven is mine. God spends four chapters letting Job, letting Job have it. 
for even daring to question who he is. Now watch how Job's answer comes back. Job answers God, verse number one. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from me. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here, I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. May we answer back to the Lord the same way Job does. I don't understand. I don't understand, Lord, you do. I repent of questioning your righteousness. Are you saved this morning? Go back to Romans 9. Look at verse 22. God put up with Pharaoh to show his long suffering. You and I don't have a problem questioning that because we see Pharaoh as someone clearly wicked. But do you know God put up with Job too? Four chapters of questioning him. But you know what the difference between Pharaoh and Job is? Job didn't do nothing wrong. We can relate to Job more than we can relate to Pharaoh. But you know what was present in all that? God and his long suffering. So if you're saved, Romans 9, 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. If you're saved, God is preparing you and me for heaven. We looked at all that in Romans 8 already. You're going to be conformed. But right now, we are not fully conformed to the image of Christ. Right now, we don't have a glorified. God is preparing us for that. So in the meantime, we are on earth. And we can either, either live in such a way that will display his riches and his glory, and his honor, or we can choose not to. But you and I have a choice as a believer on what we are going to put on public display as a believer. Vessels of mercy needed God's much long-suffering. And if God's wrath fell on the nation of Israel when it should have, Paul would have been around to give us the book of Romans under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Wouldn't have been around. Now, what about the lost? If you're lost this morning, look at 922 again. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? 
if you have re- if you if you have rejected Christ, you are being prepared for God's wrath and eternal torment in hell. In the meantime, God is going to, that has not occurred yet. So in the meantime, his much long suffering is occurring. And much like Pharaoh, if you harden your heart, God's going to harden your heart. Because he's not going to force you to have a soft. Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Are you saying you want God to force people to have a soft heart to him? He's not. He's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. You humble, I give you grace. You proud, I give you love. You want your heart hard, okay. You want your heart soft, okay. You want light, here's more light. Not only long suffering, but much long suffering. Would you, as a parent, Put your innocent son on a cross. Would you? Would you? The nation of Israel. Those individuals living in that nation at that time did. We did. Our sin put him on that cross. And he is enduring with us much more. Go to Second Peter three. Second Peter chapter three. And second Thessalonians chapter one. Second Peter three. And 2 Thessalonians 1. We'll start in 2 Peter. Keep your finger in 2 Thessalonians. All right, chapter 3, 2 Peter. Verse number 12. Watch this. Watch this. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written Unto you. There's a lot there. What I want to point out is the long suffering to salvation. You've got, if the church is called out today, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. He didn't come back down to earth. He stopped in the clouds. We met him in the clouds. There's a gathering there. That's not his second coming. Okay. It's when he came for his saints. In the clouds. He didn't come to the earth. Okay. So that's not his second coming. 
We meet him in the air. We're going to be with the Lord, forever be with the Lord. Then God's going to deal with the nation. There's going to be a, a fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week for seven years. Then after that, we're with the Lord already. Now we are going to come with him back to earth. And his feet are going to touch down on Mount Olives. That's his second coming. Make sense? When he does that, we are going to rule and reign with him. It's going to be 1,000 years. It's his millennial reign. He's going to rule righteously. Nobody's voting him in. Nobody's voting him out. Nobody's changing the government. Nobody's overthrowing the government. He's going to rule. But if somebody don't like it, too bad. They're going to obey him because they have to. At the end of that, he's going to remake heaven's nerve. And up until the end of that, even after all of that occurs, there's still going to be an army at the end of it. Satan's going to be loose, and they're going to go right after the Lord. Now you tell me. You tell me. In 2 Peter 3, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. I read that verse and gave you that timeline. As proof that the Lord is long-suffering. As proof he doesn't want to drop his wrath on anybody. He wants to continue to give people chances to be saved. He doesn't want to punish you. But don't conclude for a minute that because God hasn't come back yet, that that is evidence that there is no consequence for sin. Don't conclude because, well, he hasn't come. And everybody, the Christian's been saying he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come. He's not come. Don't conclude that because he hasn't come yet, that he's not going to drop his wrath. Because he is. You must understand the reason he hasn't come yet is because he is long-suffering. Second Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, verse number, chapter number 1, verse number 7. 2 Thessalonians 1, look at verse 7. And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming Fire taking vengeance on them that knew not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There's going to come a day when the mercy stops. There's going to come a day when the long suffering stops. And what's going to happen is blaming fire, vengeance, and wrath is going to come down from Almighty God. I don't want that. God doesn't want that. But don't bank on because he hasn't done nothing to you yet that there's no consequence for sin. There was three steps to Pharaoh. He hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. <laughs> Don't follow that pattern. The initial choice was with 
Whoever exalteth himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. God will bring down the high lords. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You get in the contrast here? Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. He careth for you. If you want to be a vessel of mercy, come to God. And he will prepare you for eternity. But if you continue to reject him, you're being prepared for eternity without him. And the reason the consequence hasn't come yet is because God is long-suffering. And those are the three attributes we'll close with. The attributes of the potter, wrath, power, long-suffering. And if you don't take the way of escape and take advantage of the long-suffering, you're going to end up on the receiving end of his wrath. And don't forget this. I'll close you with this thought. When you or I, when we as Christians, when we respond right to God, most of the time it condemns those that are not responding right to God. And that puts them at odds with you. You respond right to the gospel. Well, your lost friend is now at odds with you because they don't want to respond right to the gospel. You're a Christian and you're responding right to the truth of God's word or whatever the situation is. You're responding right to God. And it's going to convict someone that isn't responding right. And your job and my job as Christians is not to try to please everybody else. Our job is to please God. Our job is to respond right to God. He will always make a way of escape. He's a long-suffering God. It's just we need to be in tune to him and take those opportunities that he puts in our lap and get rid of the whatever the idolatrous trinket is that Satan's going to try to put in your lap too. May God help us.